He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. Welcome back to the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm your host, Jack Heald. And today, Dr. O, I'm looking at a preprint of your book. And I'm flipping through the chapters, and I see here in chapter 12, chapter 2, 12 myths they want us to believe. I'd love to hear more about this. Uh, Myth number three, the food pyramid is based on good science. Thanks, Jack. Um, I think this is a great topic for us to dive into today. So let's talk about that. The, that's a myth that the food pyramid is based on good science? Yeah, I think that uh, when most people, you know, it, sit around and think about how we got the food pyramid, they can picture, you know, sort of a, probably a big conference room full of scientists, uh, you know, in all their white jack, all their white coats. And uh, with their glasses and they're all sitting around and they're all discussing all of these great, you know, uh, studies that were done that showed that when you eat this food, you get unhealthy. And when you eat this food, you stay healthy. And, uh, you know, they they think that there was, you know, all of this, you know, probably millions and, and millions of dollars that went into the research behind the, the food pyramid. That's a reasonable and, expectation. <laughs> that would be a reasonable expectation, and unfortunately, it's just not true. Um, the food pyramid, uh, the, you know, the background behind the food pyramid um, really comes from a lot of fairly lousy studies, um, what are called uh, epidemiologic studies, and, uh, you know, kind of big fancy word that basically what that means is that People look at large sets of data and they take large groups of people and they go and they ask those people, what did you eat? And, you know, that would seem to be a pretty good way to figure out the relationship between what we eat and our health outcomes. And if you look at healthy people and you ask them, what did you eat? And you look at unhealthy people and you ask them, what did you eat? Uh, you probably should be able to get a pretty good idea of what foods make people healthy and what foods make people unhealthy. Um, but there are a bunch of problems with doing science that way. And probably the two biggest problems with doing science that way is first, people aren't very good about remembering what they eat, and they're not very honest about what they eat when they know they're being studied. Yeah, I can, I can um, say for sure. I. I can seldom remember what I had in the previous meal. And I mean, literally the last meal I had, I, I often don't remember. So the thought that that's how they conducted this air quotes research is horrifying. Yeah. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these types of studies require, uh, rely on something called the food frequency questionnaire. And what they do is, and maybe even some people in the audience have sort of participated in this. Um, you know, you get mailed or emailed or, or, you know, 
someone went door to door uh, back in the day. And they, they go to someone and they say, you know, how many times over the past week or the past month did you eat X food and Y food? And, you know, they go through, uh, and these are often pretty lengthy studies. So you can imagine, you know, anyone who's ever taken any study like this, uh, you know, you get pretty tired once you get past the 10 questions, uh, the first 10 questions, and there'll be a hundred or, or even more questions. So, you know, you're relying on people trying to accurately accurately remember what they ate over the past you know week or month and we just know that people aren't very good at doing that um and then even if you yeah (laughs) yeah no one is this is this is the research that led to the food pyramid this is the majority of the research that led to the food asking people what they ate yeah and then you know sometimes you know my god it it is pretty shocking and scientists even recognize that this is not a good way to do science so then instead they would say okay we're going to make people track what they eat over a 7 day period over or you know a month let's say and so now instead of having to remember they actually are supposed to write down in real time uh, but again you know if you know you're being studied most of us tend not to quite be so honest with what we write down. And, and we also are not very good about estimating, you know, how much food we're eating at a time, you know, how much something weighs or uh, what percentage of the meal, you know, a certain food was. Okay. I'm, I just want to make sure I'm clear here on this. The so-called research methodology that went into developing the USDA food guidelines was essentially surveys? Essentially, the vast majority of the science behind it was uh, what are these epidemiologic studies. They're basically surveys. Um, and, and, you know, quite frankly, there's one more very big problem with these types of studies that we haven't mentioned yet. And that is, is that, you know, what people eat isn't the only influence on their health. It's a big part of it, but it's not the only thing. And when you only ask people about what they eat, um, you know, you get groups of people who eat what we perceive to be healthy food. Those people also tend to do a lot of other things that they that are considered to be healthy. So, you know. Those people who eat lots of fruits and vegetables, always here are healthy for us, are the same people who don't smoke. And they're the same people who exercise more. And they're the same people who, you know, are more social and get out, you know, uh, you know have a better, well-developed social network. And all those other habits that I mentioned are things that have been shown to support good health. So when you take a group of people and you only ask them about their, their food, and you see that they're more healthy, and you therefore try and conclude that it's the food that's making them healthy, it ignores that it might be a lot of the other stuff that they're doing along with the food that they eat that's making them healthy. That would be akin to talking to people who go to the gym and work out and um, you know, asking people what brand of shoes they wear. and drawing the conclusion that wearing a particular brand of shoe makes you healthier 
when in fact it just happens to be that the people who buy that particular brand of shoe do the particular kinds of work and exercise that leads them to be healthy. Is that a good analogy? Yeah, that's a very good analogy. Okay, so we can't trust the USDA's science. Yay! I I don't know what more we we need to say about any. Well, I, I don't know. Is there anything more you want to say about the quality of the science? <laughs> well, there there is one more thing that I want to say about you know how we got the US the the food pyramid, the USDA guidelines, and that is that the food industry has a very large influence on the food guideline. Uh, so in other words, the people that are making the food are usually the ones that are either funding this science or, you know, even more overtly, uh, you know, the, the people who, uh, the large food companies, uh, it is oftentimes their executives, their employees, their former employees that then go on to serve on the USDA guidelines committee right. that, you know, oversees the development of the, the, the uh, food uh, guidelines. And so, you know, it's, it's very much, you know, uh, that the, um, you know, the, 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 this is probably, maybe this is the best analogy, but, you know, it's very much that the criminals are watching, you know, overseeing the jail. Well, yeah, we call this regulatory uh, capture. Yeah. You know, back exactly. in my days as a, as a, a commodities trader, it was, it was common knowledge that there was a revolving door between Wall Street and the Department of the Treasury and uh, the SEC. You know, that the, the same people that were allegedly supposed to be regulating the behavior of the big banks would, you know, after leaving government, get a cushy job at those exact big banks or vice versa. They'd leave a cushy job at the big bank and go be a regulator. And it was, it was an open secret that the only people who ever got slapped by the SEC were the, the small-time petty criminals, uh, you know, the jaywalkers and the, and the double parkers. The mass murderers, they just didn't pay any attention to. I'm using those terms metaphorically, but you get the idea. So can I, can I ask one more question about what you call the big food producers? Sure. Can we name names? Um, we probably can name names. Uh, you know, the reality is, is that there's about uh, 12, um, you know, 10 to 12 major food companies, uh, major companies that control uh, the supply of food uh, in the United States and, you know, in the world. And, um, you know, these are going to be companies such as, you know, Coca-Cola. Um, uh, Tyson uh, is another big name. Archer Daniels uh, Midland. Yes. Um, Kellogg's. You know. General Kellogg's. Foods? General Mills. General Foods is another one. Uh, Cargill. Cargill. Uh, Cisco. Uh, you know, these are large collectives, and uh, people don't seem to. You know, we get fooled into thinking we have a large variety of food in the United States. We go into the supermarket. And there are aisles and aisles and aisles of all these different brands and, and they're in different packages. And, and we think we have a lot of different food. 
And the reality is, is that the majority of the food is made by a very small number of companies. And a lot of it is just the same ingredients that are just mixed in slightly different ways with slightly different flavorings uh, to make us think that it's different food. Uh, but the reality is, is that the majority of it is very much the same. And uh, we get fooled into thinking uh, that we have, um, you know, all of this variety when we actually don't. Myth number four in your book says the people who produce our food want us to be healthy. Why is that a myth? Well, again, you know, so when you look at these large corporations, uh, the, any, the, the purpose of any corporation is to, you know, increase its own profits and benefit its owners or its shareholders. Um, and so if you are a food company, your one and only focus is on selling more food. And the way to sell more food is to basically keep people hungry more of the time. And that ends up, you know, going exactly opposite what you need to do to get healthy in the end. Well, you know, maybe we should explore that one in, a, in another episode, because that sounds like that's the... I think we should um, do that. Let's 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 devote an episode to why they want to keep us hungry and how they do it. I think that would be a great topic for another episode. All right. Well, uh, this has been the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with cardiac surgeon Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm your host, Jack Heald. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead and uh, be sure to do subscribe so you get notified whenever we release a new episode. And we'll talk to you next time. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.